As Camper mentioned during the announcements, we have the privilege this morning of having a, a guest with us who will bring us uh, God's word, speaking to us uh, by the power uh, of the Spirit, Cleve McCleary. And Camper ran over some of the CV details as he, as he came in, didn't mention that uh, Cleve uh, is here in, in, in uh, no small part uh, because we have the pleasure of having his daughter, Tara Reeves, as a member of our church. And so we were able to steal him away before some other church in town since he was in town here this morning. Uh, but as I thought about it, I don't, would any further uh, introduction I give would be inadequate. And so uh, at the wiser recommendation, I'm going to defer to his wife, Dee, to introduce him. Well, in lieu of time, I'm just going to share the point. Every day that I button my husband up and tie his shoestrings when he's in uniform, there's not a day that goes by that I am not reminded freedom is not free. But that wonderful song is so reassuring. God is sovereign over all. That was beautifully done. So to you, dear Cleve, I write this with pride. For it's men and women like you fighting side by side that make this world a better place to live. But oh, what a price you had to give. From hippies and yippies and draft dodgers too, I'm sure it made fighting lonely and blue. We can't replace your eye or your hand of the miserable days you had in Japan. But one day that will come on this lonely shore, our Savior so great who will say, suffer no more. This world will end all of its worry, wars, and strife. And to you, my dear Cleve, we're going to celebrate our eternal life, my hero, Cleve McCleary. Thank you, Dee. Thank you all for letting us be with you today. Nick, I appreciate what you do with that ministry, the troops. We uh, up in Hawaii with it a couple weeks ago and at Paris Island this year and at Clemson. And y'all do a great job. And we'll be praying for you. Thank you so very, very much. We love Williamsburg. We came here. Our first leave as a Marine at Quantico in the 60s. And then I think I did the uh, mayor's prayer breakfast in 76. And it's good to be back. Thank you so very, very much. I know what you're thinking. You see me. You see Deanna. So how in the world somebody looks like you get a wife look like that? I was a high school football coach 52 years ago and married my cheerleader. You do that today, you go to jail, I promise you. <laughs> but I thank God for my wife after being wounded seven times in Vietnam, 44 operations, two and a half years in the hospital. So over 600 Marines and sailors come home, arms off, legs off, eyes out. So about 65% of the wives turn their back. They walk out on their husband. My bride's been with, been with me every step of the way. And believe me, I thank God each day for it. And I just wish more young men in America could I have a wife like it. I'm happy our daughter's Tara. Tara finished Furman University, political science. God only knows what you do with that kind of major. You can't get a real job. You've got to run for something, you know. And she worked for the governor three years and then married Lee, and boy, I'm glad they're here in Williamsburg. We love to come see them. We love this area. Our younger daughter, Krista, bless her heart, stand up. They hadn't met you. She's like a daddy. She couldn't go to college. Krista went to Clemson. Matter of fact, she's Miss Clemson. And uh, she married a surgeon from Duke. So I've got one daughter married a lawyer and one daughter married a, a doctor. 
I needed one more girl to have me Indian chief. I'd have had something worthwhile, but, uh, <laughs> but it's good to be here today. As we travel, travel this great country, and I think um, Williamsburg is one of the prettiest places we've ever been. We drove a Trailways bus two and a half million miles in 17 years and lived in it. Some of you think you get a little older serve the Lord. Grandma, Dee's grandmother, our children's great-grandmother, went with us till she's 89. And I think the Lord could be talking about a Williamsburg or any other part of America right now. I know he's talking about a different part of the world. But Deuteronomy chapter 8, 7 through 12. Deuteronomy 8, 7 through 12. For the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land, a land of brooks and water, of fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and plum granites, a land of all olive and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he have given thee. Eleventh verse, beware. Anytime God says beware, that's what he's talking about. Beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Lest, lest when thou hast eaten in a full and built goodly houses and dwelt therein, we become too proud and forget the Lord our God. As we travel this great country, We heard full, loud, long, and lasting cries being made throughout America. One group stood up and said, Cleve, the hope, the answer for America today is learn, learn, learn. Education, they say, is the answer for our country. I believe in education. I taught and coached at junior high school, taught and coached in high school, had a college coaching job. My sisters have taught public school for 36 years, Army and Air Force and dependent schools in Europe. But you know, I don't believe God's nearly concerned about a person's IQ as much as he is your I will. You go to every school in the state, you get so many degrees that call you Mr. Ms. Fahrenheit. But if you're not willing to do something with that degree for the glory of God, you're not going to make it. Education alone isn't the answer for our country. A second cry I heard was a group who said, Cleve, the hope, the answer for America today is not learn, but earn. Wealth, material things, many say is the answer for America. I grew up on a 10,000-acre plantation in South Carolina. I used to duck hunt and deer hunt with Tom Bielke on the Boston Red Sox. Deanna and I have been in the home of H.L. Hunt with the richest oil men at Mount Vernon in Dallas, Texas. I've been with Ross Perot. I've hunted with Sam Walton. I've been with the DuPonts, the Dodgers, the Vanderbilts. My granddaddy was caretaker for Bernard Baruch, financial advisor for six presidents. But you know, folks, I've never met the first man that's bought a good wife, that's bought a happy home, that's bought peace, that's bought joy. These are free gifts of the Lord Jesus Christ. Earning, wealth, material things aren't the answer for America. Third cry I heard was on the college campuses, late 1960s, early 1970s, and y'all, I hadn't figured out yet why they were there. They couldn't learn anything to refuse to study. They couldn't earn anything to refuse to work. Their crowd wouldn't learn, wouldn't earn, what was it? Burn, baby, burn, they marched and chanted. Galatians 6, 7 teaches, Whatsoever a man soweth, 
that shall you also reap. Hosea 8, 7 says, you sow to the wind, you reap a whirlwind. That's what you reaped at Kent State with burn, baby, burn. I stand with you today. I say it's hopeful America today. Just got back from Cuba. Just got back to Vietnam. Laos. It's hopeful them. But it's not learned. It's not earned. I guarantee it's not burned. There's only one hope. There's one answer. Turn. Turn back to the Word of God. God gave us a promise. 2 Chronicles, the 7th chapter, the 14th verse. Talking to church people. Talking to folks such as you and I. What did he say? If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, here in, turn from their wicked ways, he promises. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. If our land ever needed healing, we need it today, don't we? What happened yesterday in Virginia Beach? Alcohol problems, drug problems, wife abuse, child abuse, abortion. Everybody I know that's for it has already been born. You notice that? We need to turn back to Bible study and prayer. I carry my Bible everywhere I go. I've been in all 50 states. Somebody said, you don't take that Bible in a public school. I said, I sure do. Some atheistic, ungodly lady from Texas took it out. If it takes folks like you and I to put it back in, we need to put it back in for the glory of God. You ever stop to think what the first book in every school of America was? God's Holy Word. First book ever printed on printing press in Germany is the Word of God. We need to turn back to Bible study and prayer. I didn't have to go to Vietnam. I was a college coach. September 1966, I was coaching. I saw a young man burn the American flag. I walked off and joined the Marines with Paris Island. From there to Quantico, from there to Vietnam. Wrote a book about it, made a movie about it. But like sure with you, my last patrol. Had a recon team. We'd go in an area that very few men had been. Instead of going with a six-man team, we went in with 13 men. Landed on a small tea plantation in the middle of a large valley. As we landed, we found punji pits, booby traps, mines, but we were very fortunate. Nobody was killed sitting there on the hill. I cleared the punji pit, got in the bottom of that. Have my radio man, McCormick, dig a foxhole to my left. Three men in a foxhole to my right. About 50 yards behind me, a bomb had exploded. Left a big crater in the ground, and I put eight men around the edges of that bomb crater, thinking it'd have a good bit of protection. About 12 o'clock at night, I thought I heard some enemy movement at the bottom of the hill. I grabbed my shotgun, crawled out of the punji pit, started making my way to the right to see if these men had hurt anything. Before I got to him, a grenade came in. It exploded, hit me here in the neck and in the shoulder. And like any other brave lieutenant, I jumped back in the hole I'd crawled out of. Started calling for Turi and air support opposition. While I was on radio, about 10 or 12 enemy, what we call a sapper unit, norm, better known to y'all probably as a suicide squad, like these terrorists they got today. These men had grenades tied around their waist, they had grenades in each hand, they had pins pulled. Just ran up a hill, exploding, killing themselves, trying to kill us. I didn't know them, didn't have anything against them, just didn't want them killing me and my men. And we shoot them just as fast as we could. One guy right in front of me, I shot him. His moment of me the hole with me as he fell in, he had something in his hands about the size of one of you girls' pocketbooks. A satchel charge is full of explosions. He came in with this and exploded. 
flew two of us out of the pudgy, pudgy pit. I'd go through the air, reach back for my shotgun, realize the blast would blow my left arm off just above my elbow. Look to my left, my radio man, McCormick, were dead or unconscious at the time I wasn't sure which. Heard me screaming in the right crowd, what happened to a grenade came in a foxhole. A young Marine, PFC Ralph Johnson, Burke High School, Charleston, South Carolina. Ralph jumped on the grenade, smothered it with his stomach, blew himself in half. Saved my life, life of two Marines with him. His family later received the nation's highest award, the Congressional Medal of Honor. Fifty years ago, we named the VA hospital. If you've been to Charleston, South Carolina, the Charleston VA. Now it's Ralph H. Johnson, not of Ralph. Ten years ago, Deanna and I went out on Mayor Riley, named a street in Charleston after him. March a year ago, the Commandant and 6,200 other people came to Charleston. And we named a brand-new destroyer that cost $4 billion after him, Ralph H. Johnson. I appreciate that. But that night I tried to get over to him as a crawl that way another grenade came in. As I did, I threw my hands up. This arm was off. Right hand covered my right eye, grenade exploded. Blew my left eye out, nose off, teeth on the left side out, both head drums out. Lost most of the use of my right hand. Things looked pretty tough, and I think my only chance to get the crater behind me who had eight men fighting. Tried to run for the bomb crater before I got there. Grenade hit me in the legs. I lay there, it seemed like hours. I don't know how long it passed, but believe me, y'all, I didn't want to live so bad all my life. If I could just see my men get off that hill alive. If I could see my bride one more time. Heard some movement behind me. I said, it's over now. As I got close, I heard something go, Lieutenant, Lieutenant. Recognize the voice, 18-year-old Marine I had from Alaska. He's Indian, Rod Hunter. Rod knelt by my feet, was just picking me off, came up a hill. Bob Lucas, Fort Worth, Texas, came over and Bob got on radio, called for choppers. Pilot said he couldn't get there, it's the daylight. We said, tell him, forget it. Bob said, we throwing rocks down the side of the hill, out of grenades. Won't anybody be left here at daylight. Pilots reconsidered. 3 a.m., the first bird landed. Put my two dead, five wounded on that chopper as it lifted, the next one landed. The rest of my men grabbed hold. As that bird lifted, about 150 enemy just covered the hill. Five more minutes, nobody got now there alive. Flew us to Marble Mountain, had surgery there, from there to Japan, from there to Bethesda, Maryland. Started walking a little bit. They said, son, your best bet's to go home on leave. Came to my wife's hometown, Florence, South Carolina, and read the paper one day. Fellowship of Christian Athletes were having a rally out at the local high school. And that didn't impress me too much, but one of my heroes is going to be there. Y'all know him. Bobby Richardson, former second baseman in New York Yankees. And Laura there in the paper said, Vonda K. Von Dyke, former Miss America from Arizona. I turned to Deanna. I said, I sure like to go see Bobby Richardson. And you know any Marine likes to see Miss America. I said, let's go. And we went out to the football field that night. Bobby and Vonda K. shared as I have today. Billy Zioli, a Presbyterian preacher from Wheaton College, brought a message that God used to change our lives. And in Billy's message that night, he said, there are two kind of fools in this world, a fool for Christ and a fool for others. He said, whose fool are you? Whose fool 
are you? I knew that night whose fool I've been all my life. I never drank and never smoked, just become a good athlete, just to impress people. I'd gone to Sunday school and church ever since nine months before I was born, because that's what mom and dad want me to do. 26 years of my life, I walked out of church about the same size as this. Every Sunday, a little white-haired lady patted me on the back, told me what a fine Christian boy I was. Y'all ever heard that before? Let me tell you, so many people told me I was a Christian, I started believing I was. Dan and I, we had Bible study, prayer, family devotion ever since we first got married. I impressed her. She impressed me. Let me tell you, God wasn't impressed. We had a whole lot of church and a whole lot of religion in our head. What we needed was a Savior in a heart. And that night, we came forward and knelt and prayed, confessed our sins in a very personal way. Invited the Lord Jesus to fill that vacuum in our heart that only he, through his Holy Spirit, can fill. And we found with the real joy, the real life, the real peace, so many are searching for. That comes through that personal relationship with, with the living Savior. You may think of my men suffered that night on that hill, that I've suffered, my wife has suffered. 44 operations now, two and a half years in the hospital. You suffer, don't you? Drinking problem, drug problem, illegal, legal. A lot of us have had that in our families. Financial problem, layoff. But then and I found that our Bible has become our most prized possession. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5 says we rejoice in our suffering. Because suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. Hope doesn't disappoint us. Because God's love imported in our hearts is a free gift from the Holy Spirit. In those verses, the word character, and y'all, I believe character is a great word in America today, but I believe it's a misused word. To get into school these days, you've got to have a theme, and I go in with a drug and alcohol theme. You say, come on, Cleve. You one of those old Vietnam vets, you had a drug problem? Let me tell you, I had a serious, serious drug problem. My daddy drugged me to work, drugged me to school, drugged me to practice, drugged me to church. I wish more young people had that same daddy. Parents, grandparents, we meant well, but we've made a big mistake in this country, haven't we? What have we done? We try to give our children everything money can buy. Car, boat, shotgun, rifle, fishing rod, smartphone. Boy, that's an oxymoron, isn't it? I think we ought to give them things money can't buy. Things these great World War II veterans stood for. Honesty, integrity, loyalty, discipline, commitment, manners. Fellas, take that cap off when you come in a building. Every building. Stand up when a lady comes in a room. Open a door for a lady. Close the door. Pull it your eye. Push it back. And girls, let them do it. <laughs> yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Thank you. God bless you. I love you. Simple words, but important words. Dan and I did the governor's prayer breakfast out Boise, Idaho. That's prettier out there. 
they got a weird looking blue football field, but they got a team, University of Virginia, like they have right now, South Carolina, or William Mary, or somebody. Well, we got some good looking young folks here today. That's the weirdest kids in that and Idaho I've ever seen in my life. Let me tell you, me and you, we like to have any color hair. These cats, they had yellow hair, purple hair, pink hair, spiked hair. One old boy, bless his heart, had an ear bob coming through his tongue. Fish hooks through his lips. It hurt me to look at him. I said, son, how you kiss a pretty little girl with those things in your mouth? He said, I'd take them out. I said, son, I'd leave them out. You look like an idiot, you know. <laughs> we got so many young people trying to be characters. We don't need to be characters. We need to have character. I was down in Foley, Alabama, a little boy come in front of the house, big old truck, stopped the truck, blew the horn, and the little girl come running out the door. Let me tell you, fellas, you come in front of my house, blow the horn, Jesus will be there for them grandchildren come out. <laughs> you can see my granddaughters, you can talk to granddaddy, I'm in the back room cleaning my shotgun. Five minutes late, I hope you're saved, because you're going to wake up dead, I guarantee you. When I was in that mass unit, no way I was supposed to live, it's a deathbed situation. Go to church together, work together, go to school together, get close. You fight together hand to hand, you'll get close too. And two dead, 11 wounded out of 13. But my men that could walk came by one at a time just to get a last look, just to tell me bye. I started saying they were crying, but you know Marines, man, we think we're tough. We don't cry, but the eyeballs were sweating pretty good. And they lay a plaque down by us, and on that plaque it said, in this world, of give and take, there are not enough people willing to give what it takes. I'm honored to be in a church like this with the leadership you have here. Folks like you preparing yourself, mentally, physically, spiritually, willing to give what it takes for faith, for flag, for families, you veterans of freedom, you precious young people. A future. The way of life we know and enjoy so well because of great folks like you. We've got the playoffs for the College World Series, and I had a chance to use this illustration. Billy Sunday's used it, Billy Graham's used it, Bill Glass, others. And I'd like to close before we have communion with the illustration of a baseball diamond. And I love to use a diamond as an illustration for your life because you are a diamond, you're precious. And as you look at that diamond of your life, let's let first base that diamond, first base your life, be salvation. God's word teaches you must be born again, a personal relationship with a living Savior. And let's let second base your life be church membership. What an honor to be in a church packed like this. You don't see it every day now. That's second base of Bible believing and preaching church. That's important. Third base your life is service. And we got veterans that have served a lot longer and a lot better than I have, and I appreciate that. But I think now it's time that we serve the Lord. Teach Sunday school, go out on visitation, go, give to missions, help crew, give your time, your tithes, your talents for the cause of Christ Jesus. That third base of service is exciting. Whole plate of your life is heaven. And the Bible promises I go to prepare a place for you. That special place is heaven. 1924, the World Series was played. Washington, New York played that year. Washington won three games, New York won three games. Seventh game, the ninth inning, two outs in the ninth, score was tied, you can imagine. Tension, excitement. Last game, last out, World Series. New York pitcher wound up, he delivered. Goose Gosling, 
Well, Lee hit the Washington they store for Detroit. Was it bat? Pitch came in. Gaza was left-handed. He swung. He connected. The ball went out less than the field. Looks like his fourth home run, but instead of clearing the fence, Gaza drives the side of the wall, bounced back in the playing field. Goose got it, ran it first, hit it for second, ran it second, hit it for third. By this time, left field to play the ball. Richie off the wall. He feel it. He turned. He threw for home and everything he had. Gaza was cut at third baseline. Throw was coming in from left field. Everyone from Washington was standing. Everyone from New York was standing. They knew he was going to be close at home. But as the throw came in, peg was high. Catching New York had a stretch way up as he reached to get it. Gosling slid under it. Everybody's seat. Throw was high. Tag was late. Gosling was safe at home. Crowd went wild. Hulling, yelling, ran on the field, ripping up the bases. But as they got near home plate, as that dust settled there at home, that fella dressed in blue. That umpire was quiet about a plate with his fists up near screaming, You're out! You're out! Kill that umpire. Blind them up. Everybody see throw been high, tag had been late. How in the world could he call him out at home plate? Umpire grabbed the megaphone. He turned, he faced the crowd, came down celebrating. All of a sudden wanted to kill him. Says, I've called the base runner out because he never touched first base. He failed to tag first base. As you walk around, maybe that beautiful loop at Jamestown or down the Colonial Parkway or watch your sunrise or sunset, or as you take communion, you may want to replay that ball game of your life. I don't know how close deaf you've been, but I guarantee I know how close deaf I've been. I've been in Sunday school, church, and a good person all my life going straight to hell. I wasn't a doubt and out of us up and out of. Americans are full of folks like me. I've touched second, I touched third, but I've missed the most important base. You may want to pray a prayer like this. Let's bow in prayer. And Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Because your word teaches we've all sinned and come short of your glory. The wages of sin is death. But the good news is we can have eternal life through Christ Jesus. Father, this second day of June, I want to replay that ball game of my life. Baseball season 2019. I want to make sure today I, come, I touch that first base. Today, Lord, I confess my sins to you. Ask you to forgive me of my sins, and I invite you in a very personal way to come dwell in my heart. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for dying for me. Help me, Lord, to live for you. In thy name we pray, and to God be the glory. Amen. Pastor.